Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Yes, he is. How are you today, Matt? Oh, I'm just fucking fantastic. Awesome. I'm 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 really happy for you. Yeah, this is this is the best of all possible days in all possible worlds. I agree. <laughs> All right, um, let me let me back. All right, this is probably going to be our worst episode. <laughs> no, no, there's good stuff here. We'll see, but let me see if I can maybe I can exercise these demons real quick. Okay, and then we can fucking move forward. So, like on Saturday, I fucking fell down the stairs at my house. Wow! Very much injured myself. Didn't break anything, but like my whole body hurt, and I'm still like, if I extend my arm, it still really hurts. So that was one thing. Um, I'm dog sitting for this fucking guy. That's been going great. Um, I just found out what I thought was going to be like a two month thing has been cut short. So that's great. And then today I go to my I, so you know. Believe it or not, Diego, I've been dealing with depression lately. You don't say. I can't imagine why anyone would be dealing with such things these days. So I go to this fucking doctor. They tried me on some medication. I didn't think it was working. I haven't felt any change. So there was like some follow-up to that. And talked about that for about five minutes. And then he was like, hey, you're way overweight. And I was like, what? Because here's something. Here's something, Diego. Uh, because of my illness, I've been deathly, deathly thin for like five years. I've been deathly underweight for a long time. I put on 15 pounds. Now I'm suddenly in the obese category. Well, at least according to this guy. So I'm all confused. And we end up talking about this instead of the fucking depression the whole time. <laughs> And then, like, I'm just confused. So I'm like, I really, I like, I, you know, I shot up. I put, all right, I put it to 20. I shot up from 160 to 180. I didn't think I put on that much. And I, I didn't see how that could just suddenly go from underweight to overweight, right? Mm-hmm. So I was very confused. And I'm in a bad mood because we, we didn't deal with the thing that I thought we were going to deal with. And we're all every, every doctor's visit now is like a fucking, like, stress obstacle course. Because of COVID, you know? Yeah. Because, like, like, everywhere you go, it's like, you gotta wear, like, 17 things. And so I'm like, I'm all confused. I'm like, how did this happen? And I look it up, I realize my doctor has my wrong height. My For some reason, <laughs> oh, no. my height was off by, like, four inches for him. 
So he thought I was much shorter, so that would mean I was technically, quote-unquote, obese. But really, I'm just overweight. Which even then, I don't know. I, you know... I was very confused. Mm. And it put, it, it put me... It was like the first thing that happened today. And then other things happened. It put me in a bit of a funk. You know, like I like when that one thing can happen and it just keeps spilling over into other things. Oh boy, am I familiar with that? Yeah, so that's been today. Well, this is a, a riveting start to our yeah, I, uh, Avatar I, I know, retrospective there's, there's, episode. Yeah, no fucking relevance to this whatsoever, <laughs> other than I watched all these episodes like immediately after we recorded the last one. And, I, and the other one I actually watched even earlier than that because I accidentally watched one ahead last time. <laughs> and the majority of these episodes have completely left my head in the time being. I wouldn't say completely. Got... I wouldn't say completely, but they they did not leave a strong impression this time. Okay. Save okay. maybe one. And I think I know which one you're, you're talking about. Um, although I'd say there are two... Really great episodes and three episodes that are kind of mm-hmm. fine. Not even – I wouldn't say bad. There's a moment that's like bad, like the bad moment of the series, mm-hmm. um, which we'll just get into. Uh, yeah, this is the Avatar Legend of the Last Retrospective going over every oh, Avatar series leading that. up to nothing. We didn't but, do uh, that, did we? No, we no, no. I didn't, I didn't do that in the beginning. So I'm we doing it now. So, right. yeah, there we go. Now we're back, and today we're talking about the Great Divide, the Storm, the Blue Spirit, the Fortune Teller, and Bato of the Water Tribe. So if you're new here, you're just popping in. Sorry about this weird introduction, yeah, but you just got to get I'm that out a, of the I'm, way. I'm in a fucking mood. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm but, looking. I'm looking for a fight to pick with Diego. No, that, really, that's, that's not going to happen. That's today, really what but. it's all about. I'm looking for a fight to pick. <laughs> Because in a very healthy way, I take out my aggression on other people. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 do that. But, um, but uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, welcome, hello, thank you. And how we go over this series and the episodes we discuss in this podcast is that we presume that you've just seen them as well. So don't expect like too much of a plot breakdown. We're just going to kind of go over what works, what doesn't, um, how this all feeds into like the larger Avatar narrative. And uh, why I still consider this to be the best animated series, and why Matt is dealing with his life problems outside of the series. That's that's pretty much what happens every week. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that. That's not a change. Um, but first up, Chapter Eleven: The Great Divide is notorious for being like the least favorite episode of the entire series, including from Legend of Korra. Uh, I, I think this is the the ultimate dud, but I also don't think it's it's as bad as people say it is. <laughs> um, do you remember anything that happened in it though, Matt? I do remember this one because this this did not upset me. And in fact, you you mentioned this on the last episode and that very much confused me. And uh, I'll be I think there's an episode in these five I would consider worse. Than this episode. Wow. Yeah. Um. I w- I wouldn't, but I'm I'm also I'm with you. I. It's fine. 
Yeah. Uh, there, there's some interesting, like, class stuff that, that's kind of brought into conflict. Like, a lot of the Earth Kingdom elements in this series are, are the best examples of when the series kind of deals with, like, class hierarchy and, like, how that's, like, awful for people's, like, sanity and, like, health. Um, this one is, is very, uh, I think a little reductive in that regard where it's like, oh, the, the poorer people are stinky meat eaters and the rich people are classy, but they're also still assholes. And like, everyone's just an asshole to each other. There's weird history between the two cultures that, uh, Aang tries to give some insight into and Katara and Sokka get, um, try to get involved and, Everyone's trying to sort everything out. There's a fun little Earth Kingdom guide that's guiding them through the Great Divide, which is basically their Grand Canyon, right? Yeah. And uh, there's there's some fun monster action. I like the monsters in this a lot. The the weird little spider crawler thingies. Um, and it, it doesn't amount to much because ultimately the point at the end of this episode is that Aang lies to convince these people that they need to work together as they head to uh to the refugee like center at Bossing Say. And that's a happy ending, but then it's like, oh Aang, like you're so you're so wacky lying to people like that. And it's like I'm not even against that. It just feels like a weird epilogue to an episode that didn't really earn that. Yeah. It's uh... So I don't know. Well, it's strange because we get these two classes that are they're at each other's. Although it's it's weird where it doesn't seem like. I think where this falls apart is it doesn't seem to be about class. Just it's just about two neighboring tribes, really. So it's not like they both live in the same you know town, and then one is like the poorer class and one is the richer class. Because the poor people don't seem to be upset about their where their places in life, you know. Mm-hmm. They're they're they just don't like the other guys, and maybe this episode's secretly brilliant. Oh, no, no, because because Aang is like he lies to them, and then it's like, of course he did, because what they were angry about was fucking stupid. <laughs> like he, he that was the right move, in the because like their whole stupid thing about. The guy, the story, a feud that happened over a hundred years ago or something. It it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it's stupid. And so Aang's just like, fuck it, I'll lie. And then they'll stop being angry at each other. Because it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not against that. I just feel that, like, it ends up making the episode feel superfluous, you know? So, like, yeah. I guess if that had happened earlier... Maybe that that would have worked, and then they do like the big finale fight with the canyon crawlers and stuff, and have to work together. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe just some brief restructuring there. But it's not like the worst thing ever. Yeah, uh, it, it's just like a, a fine episode that has some interesting stuff going for it. I don't know. I, I think people need to have a little more nuance when talking about stuff that doesn't work in this series because it's definitely. You know, it, it pops up once in a while, for sure. It almost feels like a parody of a Last Airbender episode, or like what's so like the idea of what this show would be. You know, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, how many there, this this type of plot? I think the problem is like uh, this is a uh, the plot of this episode you could put in pretty much any other cartoon that was going on at the time. Yeah, I guess you could. It, that's the thing; it doesn't feel as sincere. Yeah. as the other episodes, I guess. But there's like I don't know. There's there's still good stuff in here. Uh, this Maybe was directed by by Giancarlo Volpe mm-hmm. and written by John O'Brien and John O'Brien. Also wrote the waterbending scroll, which I thought was a lot of fun for an episode. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's funky, but it's not like some bastard child of an episode or anything. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see uh, why everyone was so angry about it. Yeah, I mean that that is also kind of all we have to say about yeah, the episode. I, well, the other thing <laughs> I could say is that the guy, the guide who was supposed to bring him down there um, is voiced by the guy who played Sam Beauregard in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> and the, uh, the the head of the the rich, the, the snooty uh, clan um, was voiced by Odo from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone should watch Deep Space Nine because it, it has characters like Odo. Yeah, Deep and and great. Deep Space Nine is actually really fucking fantastic. So Remember please, when, like, it, Star Trek would like they'd be like, well, we already did we did the show about exploring space. Maybe we should try a different type of show. Yeah, and it was like a different location, different setting, and like a different vibe. And it was like, oh, we can do like two shows simultaneously that feel. Very different, but are dis- are still Star Trek. Yep. And now there's like a car- uh, there's like a cartoon Star Trek. <laughs> it's all- there's a it, it's a Rick and Morty style Star Trek, which I look. I'm not a big Rick and Morty guy, but I don't like hate that idea. I don't. Either, I just can't but... imagine a show sustaining itself like that. Yeah, well. that feels like something you could be like five episodes and you're out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun, but I get I don't know that that's very confusing to me that that is where Star Trek is at these days. I know they're they're announcing like a new show every month, and I, I I'm not trying to be like I definitely don't want to come across as someone who's like that's not my Star Trek Star yeah. Trek Picard. Ugh. Like I I don't I don't like the stuff I've seen from the new CBS All Access shows. But I also don't want to shoot any of it down. I just wish I liked it more. Yeah, is all. That, that's my thing. There's nothing in them that I'm like, this is egregious. I just don't think it's. But again, I say always say give Star Trek three seasons, and I think the third season of Discovery's coming up. And that's, yes, that's when a show should be like getting the vibe right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're right. Mm. And uh, I I know the ending of season two. And I think that's a great pitch for a new Star Trek series, and that's all I'll say. Okay. But uh, I am intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what comes of that. We'll fuck it up, um, though. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll is see. That guy, um, is that guy still doing it? Uh, Alex Kurtzman? Yeah, is he still there? I think so, yeah. Yeah, then there's no hope. Okay. The, Alex Kurtzman's <laughs> never had a creative thought in his life. <laughs> oh, no, 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 he's no. Never no. Had, we, he's never had a good idea. Oh, my God. Before we get back to Avatar, now I have to hash this out with you. No, because the first two seasons of Alias are, like, genuinely great, like, low-budget action thriller 
like writing. He, yeah, he's, but he's got goods, but he cannot guide a ship is the problem. Yeah, but there's there's no way that the goods of that were from the fact that he was just starting out and that there was probably some very strong producers on that show. <laughs> and whenever he would pitch something stupid, they were willing to say, that's stupid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? Because I think he was also around for season three. Which, if you've seen Alias Season 3, yeah, it, you know it, is not a high watermark. So, to me, that's like... It was like they, they kept them on a tight leash. They kept all those writers. And in the third season, they were like, alright, go at it. And then they fucked it all up. That's kind of exactly what happened. I mean, that's kind of the JJ <laughs> thing. His whole, like, group. Yeah. But following up the... It's not even like divisive. Just I know most people just don't like the Great Divide, uh, and it's, it's like just, fine. I I wouldn't I wouldn't even tell anyone to skip it. I'd just be like, yeah, if you don't like it, just power through. It's this, it's not that bad. This feels like it has its reputation from the Tumblr era. Totally, because totally remember like does. when the Tumblr era would be like, you know, I don't mind that episode. Then someone would be like, actually, and then they'd have like a seven paragraph explanation about why that episode's like actually the worst and secretly yeah. endorses like war crimes or something like that. Yeah, like that was that was the Tumblr thing back in the day. Yeah, and now that's like totally bled over to Twitter, and it's just like worse but shorter. Yeah, but thankfully Twitter keeps it short, and I think it it doesn't rise to the surface as much on Twitter, at least in my experience. I, yesterday, like literally the day before recording this episode, someone was tweeting about how Andre Tarkovsky said that women don't have like their own individual minds or something like that, and it was like a fake quote. And then Anna Biller like retweeted it or something like that, and then like an hour later got called out for sharing the fake quote. And she's like, "Well, I had it presented to me factually, so I didn't know that it was fake." Who's Anna and Biller just, again? She she did the the Love Witch, which I really like, oh, but yeah. is apparently she's, she's, like awful. Um, she's been very, uh, she's very online. Yeah, which is a shame because that is the Love Witch is a great movie. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a little. Uh, I'll maybe just watch her stuff and then never read anything she says. Yeah, it kind of feels like that's the way to go with a lot of people nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if they're if they're a crime committer, maybe let us know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. People out there with the information. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's been an uh, issue. That's, that's, that's an, more important. That's been an issue lately. Mm-hmm, hmm but, uh, but I was just thinking about, like, back in the day, like, you could post something, like, on Tumblr. You'd be like, oh, I love Uncle Iroh. And then there would be, like, responses like, Iroh's actually a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like, this whole thing. And, like, at some point we kind of lost the thread on, like, Uncle Iroh's not real. (laughs) He didn't really commit war crimes. He's a fictional character. We can talk about the text of the work, of course. But, like, like there's a whole, like, problem with redemption arcs in general in art. Um, But Uncle Iroh's not real. (laughs) None of these people are real. None of the events of this actually happened. (laughs) <laughs> and like that was the thing where Tumblr lost it where it was just like they started treating things that happened as real almost and I think that unfortunately bled over into like how a lot of people like perceive actual like political events yeah. and stuff like that 
Because do you remember when Mitt Romney did, like, a surprise guest appearance at, like, some luchador thing? And then, like, really? everyone was like, whoa, Mitt Romney redemption arc? And I was like, what? that doesn't change anything. He's, like, you, yeah. he's still Mitt Romney, <laughs> you know? Well, it's like how the narrative used to be back in the day that Biden was, like, the loose cannon VP to, like, cool Obama. <laughs> and now it's like, like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like... Yeah, it's like, oh, no, he's just old and conservative. Yeah. Do you think we'll, do you think the hate for him will keep up if he wins? Mm, I, I think it will from people that actually pay attention. And then the but people we'll... that have, like, been supporting him are like, well, you know, like, who do you want instead? Trump? And it's like, no, mm. but, like, you should be able to criticize someone who's clearly not going to do a good job still just because they're not, like a straight-up genocidal maniac, you know? I just think there's, like, an economy... Like, I don't know if the, what the right word is, but, like, there's something to what breaks through to, like, the mainstream. Like, basically, like, blue checkmark Twitter, mm-hmm. where it's, like, hate them or hate them a lot. You you kind of need the blue checkmarks to, like, raise up certain voices. Mm-hmm. And specifically, you need blue check marks that like cross over where they're like they have one foot in the political bubble, one foot in some other bubble, so it, the the news can like spread outwards. And I don't see those people that have like one foot in one side doing that, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, once that target of Trump is taken away, I'm it's I'm interested to see. I mean, I'm not interested. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous as shit about how we proceed. I my hope is that because we didn't pick someone like Warren, or because we didn't pick someone even like Bernie, that Biden will like kind of be like a non-figure in his own administration. That wouldn't be the worst case scenario, but even then, it's just like I just I'm not very optimistic anymore. Yeah, yeah same. Hmm. That might be my bigger problem these days than anything else. <laughs> Not being optimistic? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a downer note. Things are stick incredibly right bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Not good. Uh, it feels weird talking about a cartoon show, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> yep. Especially doesn't, when maybe you watched good. you maybe you watched episodes when combined they were a little more mediocre than the previous two. I, I well, I like the jet episode a lot. And I like the water bending scroll a lot. I'm not crazy about the Great Divide. Uh, I am, however, a big fan of these next two, uh, the Storm and the Blue Spirit. Now, the Storm, generally, because I, I like looking back, I like the critical like, reactions at the time when it was airing and, like, where they are now and stuff like that, right? Like, I think that's really interesting how art can kind of evolve. But generally, this is still the episode that people are really drawn to as, like, where the show finds its identity. Like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone kind of walks away going, like, this is what the show is. Um, it, It's just the story between the Avatar and the Fire Prince. I mean, th- there's more going on than that, but... Along with Katara, those two obviously drive a lot of the story choices and stuff like that. And um, still rank among fan-favorite episodes, critical best episodes of the series, like on those ranked lists. 
that are sometimes like full of shit that just drives me nuts. But I like seeing these two up there because I also think these are fantastic episodes. But I'm getting the feeling that you might not no, feel I, that way. I really like the Storm episode, chapter 12. Uh, that's one where we kind of, you're right, I think that's like where the series like writes itself and where it's like, this is the direction we're heading. These are the two conflicts that are going to come to a head at some point. And it's also the first, I believe it's the first time we hear the voice of the Fire Lord, um, voiced by Mark Hamill. (laughs) Yep, yes it is. Which is nuts. Um... And we all we just, we basically you know you find out the story of how Zuko got scarred, which is a big deal. Yeah, and it's super super fucked up, and they do not shy away from it being super super fucked up. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, it I mean, is. Just... It, it's like more nuts watching it now, frankly. Yeah, like it didn't register with me when it first aired that like oh yeah like that's like bad yeah that's the bad guy of course. But, like, knowing where it all ends up to, just knowing, like, how Zuko's journey becomes later, or, like, it, what what it forms into later, and how this episode kind of makes him much more empathetic than he was before. Even though, like, you know, they, they show a lot of conflict in the character um, by having him go up against, like, Commander Zhao and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it It's more touching and, like, deeply sad. Now, like, it registers very differently with me now, you know, and just, like, shows that his father is kind of the ultimate piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he really is just, like, an all-timer evil in fiction, and a good reminder that sometimes fiction and reality, in terms of, like, monstrous people, um, that's all they are. Sometimes there's not, like, a a deeper understanding that needs to be had about them. Sometimes people just got to go down. Yeah, the Fire Lord, not to spoil things for people who don't know, but he's, we don't really get a ton with him in terms of deep complexities going on there. He's kind of just a piece of shit. <laughs> but uh, we, we do get a look at, like, the, the inner workings of, like, the Fire Nation culture where there's, like, this, like, might makes right mentality and honor... And dishonor and shit like that. Which is also, I mean, I, I mentioned the kind of the parallels with Imperial Japan, which, as Imperialism rose in Japan, they kind of started embracing like this, like a, what I believe was like fictionalized or like heavily reworked ideas of like the old samurai code of honor. And that became like a mentality that kind of drove the Japanese military. For a long time. Yeah, and um, I, I'd go as far to saying it's still, like, more of a universal kind of cautionary tale, too, because that, like, whole idea of, like, nationalism and just, like, blindly being loyal to a country or, or any set of, like, ideals is, like, very dangerous. And the show is is very wisely critical of that kind of thing. Well, it's important to note that Zuko, I believe Zuko speaks up when he's not supposed to, over a plan that will sacrifice a lot of soldiers in order to win, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's important to note because it's, like, with the whole, like, idea behind the military there is that these these lives are worth sacrificing for the greater good. And them not being sacrificed is actually the dishonorable thing. 
Yeah, and and Zuko speaking up about that and literally having it like like beaten out of him, you know, like that that's how he gets a scar. That's the big moment his father challenges him. Although Zuko thinks he's challenging someone else to an Agni Kai, right? And um but but that action And he won't fight back is the other thing. The fact that Zuko's like early feelings of uh, of empathy for his fellow like nationsmen uh it, it needs to get like singed out of him through like fire is is just so deeply sad to me and so like it just it so perfectly sets up like his his conflict of doing what's right versus wanting to to preserve this ideal of a nation that doesn't even want him around. Yeah, well, it's like it's like his literally his father burning his mentality into him. Like mm-hmm. he he was he would have been a different person had those events not happened. And that's that's really where the tragic stuff. And then he's now he's hunting to be this like ideal that is it's his father's ideal. It's not his. And that's a difficult thing. I mean, that, that can be you. You can take that and apply that. I don't know. Sorry, I, I'm like I'm just petering out in terms of like trying to connect it to bigger thoughts today. No, no, that's all right. I mean, right. I mean, sometimes this show does like kind of the heavy lifting for you. Like I think yeah. that's one of the many reasons it's so brilliant is that the stories, even though they're they're drawn from like obviously a lot of like Asian culture and stuff like that, um, the messages are are constantly universal. And you know, like a lot of the messages are like. Oh yeah, coming together is like nice and stuff, and like that's how we're gonna like win at the end of the day, and that's that's ultimately like a big part of the show. That's that's the bigger message, but then sometimes it hits you with stuff like this, and like yeah, you can get to that light at the end of the tunnel eventually, but right now it is important to acknowledge that bad shit can happen to people, and that it's 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 always gonna be difficult to process, and, and I, I what... think that's also an important message to kind of. It's also uh, it, it zones in on what makes something like Star Wars also work, where like Star Wars is really about like generational conflict. A lot of the time, I mean, it's literally about growing up to fight your father, <laughs> <laughs> and then realizing that your father is just a sad old man in like a robot body, <laughs> which is which is hashtag I mean, relatable. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> There's some, there's, you know, there's ideas going on there. Yeah. You know, where there, you there, know, there's truth in it. Yeah. You grow up with like an idea of, I mean, not just like fathers, but like any parent or authority, but you grow up with an idea of them and then you're confronted with the reality of them, but then you understand what's going on underneath them. And that's, you know, developing basic empathy as an adult. <laughs> and it's just this weird thing where like, I, it's why... It's become this weird thing where people mock the idea that Star Wars is quote unquote about family, but that is really kind of what it's always been about. <laughs> and that's what this show is about in a way. And I think this is why this works where other sh- other things that have tried to become major franchises don't like they can't figure that out. At least when they have to make the leap to like the next story in it. Mm-hmm. Like I would say that's one of the things that held uh, the Harry Potter universe back when it tried to become about another character. Mm. 
You don't like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Believe it or not, I don't. Okay. But it's like, you know, that thing where it's like, you could easily make that show about how the mistakes in the previous generation led to what happens in the next, right? Yeah. Seems like a very obvious, like the ball on the tee, it's like right there. <laughs> Seems like a very obvious thing to go for. But yeah. it it almost feels like other than names and events, it feels like those two franchises exist in completely different universes that are totally separate from one another. And can I say what you will about the Star Wars prequels, but that's also exactly what they set out to do, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you don't have to like them, but that's definitely part of the reason they exist. Yeah. To do that very thing. Exactly. Know? Which is something that I think it took a long time for people to come to terms with, that that's what those yeah. movies were about. Mm-hmm. And I get it because it's, you know, living through those coming out, it's definitely, I understand why that would be difficult to see. But when you kind of get, like, the whole picture of those three, it makes more sense. Yeah. Whereas when you take, like, each individual film, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but Like, I definitely like them a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to get to this place, you know? And I, I don't know. I think people need to be more willing to engage with, like, um, the, the harsher stuff in, in, in fiction, you know? Because, like, you know, not, not to make everything about Star Wars when we have these conversations, but fuck it. At this point, Star Wars is just the only other comparable franchise since, yeah. like, that has this kind of structure and also has sequels that start like questioning what happened previously and also had a very similar fan reaction. Yep. And I, I, I think there's a real like um, tragedy through all the Star Wars. You know, like they're known as like these great family adventure films, which they also are. You know, like pew pew lasers and awesome sword fights, and there's a bunch of great cool shit in there. But it's also like kind of sad because in none of the the nine central franchise films are they ever allowed to just have an adventure. Like it's always feeding into some greater conflict. It's always feeding into some like. Something that's just around the corner that's going to ruin them for the rest of their lives. Or like, you know, like Phantom Menace is maybe the most standalone apart from New Hope. But it's also like this is the beginning of kind of the end of an entire republic. Like that's that's kind of a, a heavy thing to deal with. And maybe, I don't know, I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. I can't imagine why. But, um... But I also just think that's, like, a really brilliant storytelling device where it's, like, the, the great fantasy adventure doesn't really exist anymore because it can't really exist anymore, you know? And, again, not to say that the adventure is not in those journeys, but you can't just have it without, like, eating your vegetables on the side, you know? Well, the hero's journey in general is, like, generally a tragic story. Because it's about going through a journey, and then when you come back around, you can't, like, you know, you fundamentally changed at the end of the journey. And usually that change in a lot, especially in, like, a lot of Western fiction, that change means you can't be a part of the world you used to belong to, the world you set out to save often. I mean, that's like, that's like the Lord of the Rings, um... Star Wars doesn't lean into that a ton in the originals, but there's, like, elements of it there. Um, and I also, again, I think that's why Harry Potter is, like, kind of 
a failure in a lot of ways. Aww. I mean, well, look, as someone who likes those books, or I should say liked, it's going to be a little hard to like them going forward. Yeah, no, that's definitely a complicated issue because J.K. Rowling is a fucking turf asshole. Yeah, like, we've talked about this, but, like, she's, like, full mask off at this point, so it's, like, really awful. But yeah, yeah. Like even ignoring that, one thing that's always been problem is that like Harry Potter doesn't really go on a journey in those stories, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I it doesn't feel like he comes out at the end fundamentally different than he was at the beginning, other than like like physically where he ended up. I would need to sit down and like rewatch and reread. Because it has been years at this point, because we've all kind of been, like, J.K. Rowling was kind of teeing up, like, the mask off moment, you know, mm-hmm. at this point for a couple of years. And so, I don't know, we'll never, we'll probably never do a Harry Potter retrospective at this point. And we talked so. about it, we talked about it a few times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, probably best not to highlight it now, but. No, no, I, I'm just saying, like, there was a point where we were like, that would be interesting to talk about, because it is a very <laughs> important franchise, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then it would have been something where, I just think it's hysterical where it's like, had we done it, I would have been much more apologetic towards a lot of problems with it. <laughs> like, you know, this doesn't totally work, but it's still fun. Whereas now I think, like, if I if I sat down to revisit any of it, it would be like, nope, fuck it. Like, not worth it. What other franchises succeed or fail at the hero's journey? There's the big one that I, I don't want to talk about because it takes up too much, like, space and energy at this well, just, point just throw it out um, there uh i would say the first avengers captain america's first avengers movie kind of has the hero's journey especially with the idea that you know he sets out to save the world and then he can't go back to the world he set out to save like mm-hmm. he literally can't you know that that's how his story begins he 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 time travels basically but let's to, take to eventually fix that. Let's take like the MCU as a whole. Does it does it work or fail at it? No, it, it fails miserably. Right. As a whole, but there there are moments for sure. But like you know, it's the weight of its whole existence ends up sinking everything. Even Guardians of the Galaxy, which which I adore with all my heart, and I have actually been meaning to rewatch because I haven't in a while, just because I've been so like marveled out but um i started thinking very fondly about them again i was like i should i should revisit those because i can't make it through those without crying at this point so you know but But, uh, yeah so so why do you think something like the mcu hasn't really experienced a backlash to it in the way that something like star wars or something like legend of korra did I think, honestly, because Captain Marvel got backlash, and you and I were like, no, that one was pretty good. Um, but I think it's been very yeah, male-centric. Think... Uh-huh. And I, I honest to God believe that this has been a factor no one's really talked about a lot. I, I, you know, unless you're like a woman film critic, because they, they seem to have their eye on the ball a lot of the time when it comes to these. Mm-hmm. Um, they, It's been something that's been called out, but like, you know... The fans have always been like, well, you know, though, they have to set up the story or they have to do this first before you get, like, a woman-led superhero movie. And then, like, that's just, like, not – that's not real. These aren't real people, so it doesn't yeah. matter what you do with them. But that was often the excuse. 
And I think because it's been so male centric for so long that the the generally male audience, although a lot a lot of women go to see these films too, uh, I think they take up like thirty or forty percent of the audience. They they pulled it. It's crazy. Like it's a very like female friendly franchise for a lot of male starring roles. Wasn't the crazy thing that happened was like Disney explicitly bought Marvel because they're like we we only appeal as a brand we only appeal to girls mostly. We need a we need something to appeal to young men. Like that was the whole idea behind it because they tried with like Tron and they tried that Prince of Persia movie. Like there's like that weird run where they were trying to make like action movies for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Fuck it, let's just buy Marvel." <laughs> and but then like the thing that ended up coming out was that like women enjoyed the Marvel movies just as much as men did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I isn't really shocking when you think about it. No, no. I mean, people forget, like, the the phase one of Marvel movies, I think, are kind of like the black sheep of the franchise. And I think when it was most interesting. But, yeah. like, there's a lot of, like, I mean, for, for compared to now, there's a lot of, like, sexiness in those movies. Like, the men are often, like, with their shirts off. You know, Captain America has the glory shot of his own movie when he comes out, like, shirtless and sweaty and, like, ripped. Thor has a bunch of scenes where he's just, like cut as fuck you know uh tony stark is having sex like left and right well, in his yeah, movie strippers on his plane in the first movie which is interesting to see on disney plus these days yeah the first iron man is basically a movie about a dude who can't keep it in his pants yeah so like and then well, they kind of just like washed over that later but you whatever. really might be onto something with that that there's a sexuality component to it mm-hmm. where there's a weird, weird, weird thing of, of, I guess, young men. I'm hoping young men. <laughs> I'm willing to bet some people in their 40s and 50s also. That's incredibly sad. That are that are just terrified of sex or a character expressing any sort. Because that is something that completely fell away. You are right from the MCU. And I wouldn't even say that's to be explicitly sex, but a big thing that people pushed against in The Last Jedi was, like, the romance stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's weird where they don't really explicitly talk about it, but there's, like... I guess it's, a, like, you know, I guess it's that coded feminine thing that, like, women care about romance and stories. You know, like, that men don't like rom-coms and stuff like that. Which is, what you know, whatever. But I think there's, like, the, yeah, there's, like, a weird kind of anti-women thing going on like under the surface there where i think even the people parroting a lot of that stuff wouldn't say they're anti-women <laughs> and then there are of course bad actors who are knowingly kind of exploiting it but yeah i think there's a there's a weird thing of like wanting to keep these things pure and sex is the ultimate you know <laughs> that's the ultimate journey <laughs> And I don't mean, like, the act of sex, but, like, the idea of, like, procreation, it, it introduces death into what could be, like, a holistic universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is what these people really want. And that's where it gets weirder, too, where these people seem to worship death and hate sex. You know, that's totally... Yeah, that's so weird, because, you know, like, the end of Infinity War is when everyone gets snapped away, right? Half the mm-hmm. universe dies or whatever, right? And then, even though we all knew they'd come back, a lot of the hardcore fans would often, like, parrot the same idea that, like, 
oh, that's why this is the best ending because everyone died. And it's like, well, what do you like? Why is that the best? Like, what what does that mean for the story? And I actually think it's a very effective scene. I don't care for the movie, but like, it's a very effective scene, right? It's cool that 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 happened in a way. But it's also like, okay, but like, why? Just question why you like this. Why is this so important? Why is like killing people off for you? Why does that create stakes? Because people can't just die, you know? And why is it that like whenever a character, a popular character dies in a comic book, it's always like an event, you know? Mm -hmm. And you could argue that it's like, oh, because it brings in like people who aren't necessarily comic book readers, but I don't think that's true most of the time. I think mm-hmm. those sort of stories clearly appeal to the base, the big fans of comic book. Yeah, I just, you know, especially, this is interesting when you especially consider how much romance plays a part in both Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. And I would say, I don't know if this is controversial, but like, actually works like 99% of the time. Yeah. There's one like huge fuck up. <laughs> but they they quickly self-correct that one in my opinion. Unless unless there's something else I'm not remembering. Yeah, yeah, there could be like another thing where you're just like, "Oh shit, no, this ruins the show," but I I, I doubt that. Yeah. Um but, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to that one eventually, but for for right now to to bring it back you know, to you know why that one doesn't work? Because um, it's not about the romance. It's about male competition. That's interesting. Which is which is what I think a lot of... That's a storyline that men are attracted to as opposed to women in general. And I'm <laughs> general in big quotes. Because mm-hmm. there are, of course, people that... I mean, this is like, it, I, I just watched, I've been watching like all this French New Wave bullshit. And, <laughs> and like, there's like so many of these plots where it's like guys like they competing for women and stuff. Like, it's so strange that like those guys were considered radical and it's like all the same bullshit Hollywood did. <laughs> they just edit it differently. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's value in, in like people like uh, Jean-Luc Godard and stuff like that. But... No one's like unimpeachable, you know. Yeah. Like, I, like it just they they had a little bit of a different approach once in a while, and that's important to remember. If anything, that's what people should take away from the French New Wave. Now, you want to get really wild? If you want to see the French New Wave's cousin on acid, check out the the Czechoslovakian New Wave because oh, yeah, there's yeah. some shit in there. It's uh, Vera Chitilova's film Daisies changed my life. I saw it in high school. <laughs> I never looked back. It changed movies for me forever. That's that that one'll do it. Yeah. That one'll do it. There's a couple like that. I mean, I know this is like we've gone like insanely off topic here, but I think it it all kind of relates in a way. Yeah, because Avatar also like I swear this isn't even like a, a radical notion. Avatar on a pretty regular basis with flashbacks or like just presentation changes up its format, you know? Mm-hmm. Like like even even in The Great Divide, this is not like um, praised enough. We didn't even talk about it because um, the episode is kind of just fine. But like with the flashbacks or interpretations of the event that caused the two clans to basically feud for a hundred years, um, it is presented in like these different art forms, right? And then Aang's lie 
is made up like a children's fable. Yeah. So, like, even in an episode like that, they're still playing with the medium to help present it in a certain capacity, which is really cool. And it's also like they're kind of doing a Rashomon thing there. A little bit, not like as, you know, explicit, but... Yeah, it's just not exactly a Kira Kurosawa Yeah, it level, is not but... <laughs> on the level of Rashomon. But... Yeah, no. Um, which, th- I guess, I think... That's a that's a film I think more average people should see. Because the whole, the whole thing about that fucking movie is that, like, all versions are entirely plausible. <laughs> and you just kind of have to sit with that ambiguity. And that's the thing I think people struggle with is ambiguity. Totally. And oh, may- my God. Yeah. And maybe that's why The Great Divide divides people so much. Because <laughs> there's a lot of ambiguity to everyone's actions in it. <laughs> because people are complicated. Yeah. I don't know. Would I don't, you I don't, say, the, I don't think is that, The but... Great Divide the original Kurosawa mode? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to toss that joke out at some point in my life. Um, there, I've done it. Jesus Christ. I, I don't actually expect an answer to that. I just wanted to make that joke. Well, Kurosawa famously never directed a color film, so... So what Diego was talking about before we got sidetracked yet again... <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Uh, is that we, we get the flashback with Aang. We, we basically see Aang's refusal of the call, where he's dubbed, you're the Avatar. Also, we're pretty sure there's going to be a war. Probably because the Fire Nation is preparing for war. <laughs> so you're going to have to deal with this. And it's basically, Aang is like fearful he's not going to be allowed to be a child. And it's actually a really uh, fucked up lesson, but an important one where it's like, you have to let go of your childhood at some point. And mm-hmm. it's, it is being thrust upon Aang early. And that's certainly, you know, not great, but that happens to a lot of us. Usually the moment that where we cross that threshold from childhood to adulthood, or like young adulthood, I guess I should say, was not, we did not make that choice. Mm. That choice is usually made for us by outside circumstances. And it's it's so hard for Aang to deal with that he, he literally flees. And he's been living with that guilt. And even before that happens, it, it's just sad to see that he can't, be a normal kid with other kids even before like they had the they announced that the fire nation is like like they have to get ang ready like now like they tell ang that he's the avatar but they don't tell him like we we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go until later and that's when he decides to leave right but like when he's he showed the other airbending nomad kids that um like the the ball of air trick and they're all doing it like oh we could play games together now and stuff and then he's like yeah i want to play again and they're like oh but you're the avatar, you'll win. Like, you can't play with us. And it's like, even that, like, that stuff, like, gradually builds. In this little, like, ten-minute segment of an episode, it's really impressive, and also just, like, this is a deeply sad episode, is what I'm getting at. Yes, it's very sad. Also, Hmm. the knowledge that all those children were later murdered. Yeah, I I remember your text to me at seven o'clock at night. I I, I was thinking about it. (laughs) That was ten o'clock your time. Yeah, I know. Thinking about that at that time, and I was watching a Godard film. Um, But no, the the storm is a terrific episode. 
And uh, it, it's nice to see just that little old man and his wife also kind of tag along for this little journey. Like, emotionally. They're not there all the time. But, you know, the, the old dude blames Aang for leaving. And it's like, yeah, Aang did leave. But another one of the situations where it really goes to show that, like, you, you don't know what someone's going through in life sometimes. And that doesn't absolve people of mistakes they make. But people are complicated. Okay. And sometimes there's no easy answer. This is a deeper episode, but I kind of have to ask about what the Fire Nation's plan was. Um, because later in a few episodes, there's a, uh, in the next episode, actually, Aang is captured. And they're like, well, look, we can't kill the Avatar because he'll just come back. <laughs> so we're just going to torture you forever. <laughs> Which is fucked up. But uh, in... They just killed all the airbenders. In the what was that plan? I don't know. Well, I think the the plan uh, was just like mass genocide at one point because yeah. they do also continuously like ravage the Southern Water Tribe, right? Yeah. Into basically not being like a society anymore. Now they're just like a couple little villages. Like they they completely like eradicate like the cultural footprint they had on the earth mm-hmm. which is like really devastating in hindsight um, well it's it's also this weird thing of like the airbenders were the only group without like an actual like nation it seems like yeah cuz you know air nomads haha yeah. so name but i'm just saying like it's it's actually kind of like sinister under the surface because that's kind of a thing that keeps happening in history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where the group we can commit genocide against tends to be a group that are like, we consider nomadic in a way. Just, just throwing that one out there. <laughs> you, you could you could say it. We, we all know. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know. Uh, hashtag Free Palestine. Anyways. Well, it's also the, like uh... that, that thing of like, they always say if you want to gauge where the world's at, pay attention to what's happening to the Romani people who have, like, historically been persecuted. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say, pay attention what's happening to the Romani people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it's heavy shit. (laughs) This is a show built on a genocide. (laughs) Yep. It's the title. This Definitely, it's different on, now. This was on Nickelodeon <laughs> between episodes of SpongeBob and the Fairly Odd Parents. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, but Chapter Thirteen, the Blue Spirit. Um. All right. Here's something I hate to admit at this point. We've been having a good, we've been having a great conversation. So I watched these. I had seen the Great Divide. I watched these episodes in like two episode chunks. So I'd watch two and then another two. And I watched The Storm, which I was like, oh, wow, this still, like, really holds up. Watched Blue Spirit, realized later, for some reason, did not stick in my head. Aww. I was like, I remembered, like, like pieces, but, like, I didn't remember, like, what happened in general. Mm-hmm. And then you texted me today being like, hey, I need an extra half hour before we record. And I was like, great. So I put the Blue Spirit episode on. <laughs> And again, I fucking I don't know why. 
Oh, and I I don't even think like the episode's bad. It's just it was just like this weird thing of like this one just didn't like do anything for me. Oh no, I love this episode. And it's, it's got this great setup of like the blue the titular blue spirit thing is like really interesting, but the the rest of it like just goes right by me. Well, first it starts off as like a really light episode because it's like oh in the storm. Sokka got sick, and now he's, like, all in a fever dream state and stuff like that. And so Sokka's hilarious. Katara gets sick really quickly. Aang has to take care of them. Then he goes to find, like, this little, like, hermit lady with uh, this really funny cat. Also, is that a normal cat? Because there are very rarely any normal animals in this show. I, <laughs> I guess you don't remember because you don't remember that. cats popping episode, up like... a lot because a cat pops up later in uh, the last episode we'll be discussing today. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I have no idea. You know what? I okay, think so that's the same cat. That's the same cat. Oh, oh yes, of course. I totally again like that's it. This episode fucking went right by me. I remembered the lady with the cat in the <laughs> the later one. Like it, I remembered. I think it was. I don't like the setup of the episode. Oh. I think that's where it loses me. Okay, and not necessarily because it's like oh they're sick. I do kind of, like, not like that in general. That's, like, a frustrating thing, but that he goes to this woman and then there's, like, this weird, like, run around with her being, like, eccentric. Mm-hmm. And it's not really, like, fun. It's, like, just kind of frustrating. <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, this is, I, I really, trust me when I am, I mean, I am not trying to insult these scenes, but it's a little bit like the Ents in The Two Towers. <laughs> where I love I love the ends, but they cut a lot of the end stuff from the book for those for that movie. Mm-hmm. And in the in the movie, the ends are just kind of like really boring, and that's the joke. And that it's frustrating to deal with such boring people, and it's that frustrating is very hard to make interesting. Mm-hmm. It often just translates to frustration for the audience. I think I'm kinder on it in this episode because it, it definitely is frustrating because thankfully that's not what the majority of the episode ends up being about. It's also, kind of just like a stepping stone. Also, this is a, a less than 30 minute episode of a children's cartoon. So. That, that too, yeah. And not a three hour Hollywood epic that changed film. Yeah. Where you gotta spend, where like, there's like these two big battles happening, and it's like, let's see what the trees are up to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I love those movies, but Two Towers, like, the pacing of Two Towers is like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I, I love all of them um, as well. Like, five stars across the board, but maybe like a little dimmer five stars on Two Towers. Yeah, yeah. Because. Uh, Especially compared to Fellowship, which is, like, perfectly paced. Yeah, Fellowship's, like, a perfect movie. Like, that's the best one, easily. And it's and then Two Towers is the worst one. And I'm not saying it's, like, awful. It's just, like, it's weird. There's, like, a big drop. Yeah, it, it, it starts and goes. It's touch and go um, mm-hmm. in terms of pacing. I, I really love all three, like, pretty equally, but Fellowship is also my favorite. Anyways, uh, to, to, to go back to Avatar, then... <laughs> Um, what what I really like is that we're constantly seeing now Admiral Zhao rising through the ranks, like basically just because he knows who to rub shoulders with. Um, 
and he he kind of gets his elite like archer team to hunt the avatar and it's a really fun contrast with Zuko who's just like cannot catch a break to save his own life is he and, the grand moth tarkin of the first season admiral zhao yeah i would say so yeah that's that's pretty if, pretty if, close. If Tark and Invader hated each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause, oh, yeah, huh? Because there's a mutual respect between those two. Mm-hmm. Which is but, a really interesting thread that no one talks about in that film. Because Darth Vader, like, kills everyone else. Let's talk about how Irvin Kirshner ruined the character of Darth Vader. <laughs> no. Because in the first movie, he's just like this, oh, he's like a robot lanky man. But in the second one, what? He's suddenly this super important character? What's that about? It's almost like they made it up as they went along. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, That's people exactly are ready for that what conversation. happened. Irvin Kirshner, you fuck. <laughs> Irvin Kirshner ruined Star Wars. Anyways, you know what? Um, it's literally like you could totally do Irvin Kirshner and Gary Kurtz destroyed George Lucas's original vision, which is exactly what people fucking say about Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy. I know, I know. It's so depressing. It's so fucking comical, and it's only, the only reason it sticks around is because the fucking horrible algorithms that ru- rule all our lives perpetuate that sort of stuff. I know. We're, this, we're being so bad. killed by memes. Mm. I like this episode, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I really... Turns out Zuko was the blue spirit. Yeah. But I think, you know what? I, why I like this episode? Um, the action is really inventive in action it. Action is very and good. it almost becomes like a Samurai Jack episode where, like, there's basically almost no dialogue in the back half of this episode. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, you know? And then it hits you at the end with, like, Aang telling Zuko... That, you know, like, he had a, a friend from the Fire Nation, like, before all this happened, and that, um, like, he wonders if they would have been friends in another life, too, and then Zuko responds by trying to capture him again, right? And then, you know, it's like, oh, it's, like, really sad, and Aang can see the possible connection there. Zuko still can't. Yeah. And so when Aang returns to, to finally help uh, Katara and Sokka with a bunch of frozen lake frogs, which is really funny and gross, um... Sokka's still delirious. Is like, oh, did you make any new friends? And it's like, it's a funny joke from him. But then, you know, then it hits you with, like, the tragedy that, like, no, I don't think I did. And I don't know. I, I, I really like this episode a lot. It probably wouldn't make my top ten. Um, but it's I, – I, I think this is, this is one of the better ones. I'm actually shocked that it, it left your memory so efficiently. From Zuko's position, the Jedi are evil. It's kind of what he is, too, huh? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, don't worry. That episode, it, like, I think I was just in a weird headspace both times I watched it. Mm-hmm. But the next episode, I hate. <laughs> okay, I figured. I um, hated the Fortune Teller episode. Oh, so, so this is your great divide. Yeah, this is the one where I was like, I would cut this episode in its entirety. <laughs> Uh, I'm not crazy about it either. I like it about as much as The Great Divide. There's some fun, like, jokes in it. But for a show that's been generally pretty good about, like, gender politics and, like, giving characters narratives that aren't, like, 
precipitated by like what boys and girls might like. This is an episode that does feel like that. <laughs> does uh does the little girl call Katara a tramp at the end of the episode or something? She calls her a floozy yeah, as okay. they're flying away. Yeah. Which, okay, look, that made me laugh, but it's not a good note to end the episode on. It made me laugh because it caught me off guard, because I always forget that's how the episode ends. Just like, oh, wow. But like The Great Divide, it's also a little meaner than the show usually is because of stuff like that. It's good to know that this episode was co-written by the head writer. Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, no! It's all coming back! I know, hey... This explains so much. This might this might actually be the one that like explains it. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Dave Filoni, though. Yep. He, he didn't really have a lot to do here. I guess the volcano sequence. Yeah, the the volcano yeah. stuff is cool. Stopping stopping the volcano from destroying the town is a lot of fun. I I like the imagery, like when Aang's standing atop, like. The defeated volcano, which is just great, you know? But like I just hate the like fortune teller storyline. Which is a storyline that again, it feels like it could be th- like this you know like how I was joking earlier about this being between SpongeBob and uh <laughs> and fairly odd parents. Mm-hmm. Like this is an episode that feels like it feels like it could be in any other show, kinda like the Great Divide a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I like the the idea of the message, not the way they execute it, but I like the idea of it where it's like, oh, like, you know, like you reshaped the clouds to save the town, right? By like relaying a message to me, basically, like all of us can shape our own destiny. That, that, I, that's just a great story. I, I, for have, fantasy, I have but no like, idea what was happening. There. I just got to the end of it, and I was like, wait, that was what this was about? <laughs> like, yeah, no, that that's the thing. The steps the episode takes to get to that ending don't match the, the, the point of the story entirely. <laughs> it's kind of like how in, like, the last ten minutes of Happy Feet, it's suddenly like, hey, we should stop <laughs> fishing. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like Happy Feet. <laughs> like, the Happy Feet goes from being, like, an adventure about a dancing penguin that, like, there's a... that goes to the fucking UN. <laughs> That's a hell of a fucking leap. Uh, so so you you hated The Fortune Teller? I hated this episode. Okay. This is easily um, the I'm worst not, episode I'm, I've seen so far. I'm not crazy about it, mostly for the Katara stuff, too. Yeah. It oh, feels yeah, very reductive for a character that is really... Not like I, she doesn't fit into the role the episode puts her in. Almost, it almost feels like it was written by someone who maybe has weird opinions on women. I can't imagine why you'd think that. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. There must have been something more going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That because like someone had to have like fought to get a lot of the shit in this. That's in this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the head writer was too fucking dense to see it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it, it's a mess of an episode for sure. But on, like, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't consider it any less of a mess than a Great Divide. Just I don't particularly care for either of these two episodes. Um, I, I like when people fight volcanoes, though. That's always good. So we got one more episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bato of the Water Tribe. This one's nice. This one's good. This was a, this was a good episode. Yeah. Um, um, the, easy easy conflict to build off of because at this point, 
Aang, Sokka, and Katara have been together for so long that now, like, Aang's... There's this idea of, like, maybe codependence being yeah. uh, kind of a thing. And, like, it's hard to blame Aang for that because, you know, that's they're all he has now, you know. But it's also, like, they all have their own lives and wants and needs and, like, a, a goal to achieve together. And, and so it's an episode that's kind of, like, how hard and difficult it is to bind those separate conflicts and, like, individual identities together at times, you know? Because Sokka and Katara just want to see their dad again at the end of the day, too. And it's not fair that they haven't been able to. And it's at, at the end of the episode, we see that even though it's not fair that they still can't, they have their own journey to take for now. And that'll have to wait, unfortunately. So, very, so, very nice episode. And so, also... So. Uh, someone on Twitter called June the baddie of ATLA's fandom. Um, I don't agree with calling a cartoon character that. It's a little weird, but I thought it was very funny. What did they say? They said June was the baddie of Avatar The Last Airbender. You know, the baddie? Like, she's hot. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that term. Yeah, baddie. That was you. You were. Just, I was like, "What are you saying?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, she was a villain in this episode." Uh, I was like, "All, all right, <laughs> what what are we building towards here?" <laughs> no, she, she, she's a she's a fun villain, though. Yeah, she's fun. I like. Yeah, she's cool. There's a little bit of uh, something we don't see too much, which is uh, uh, Uncle Ira being like a creepy old man. <laughs> Yeah, no. Th- let me let me check the writer of this episode again. Is it the same dude? Nope, no, 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 no. different. Um, yeah, it's because uh... we we never see this side of Iroh again. When he when he like flirts with women after this, they're all modestly his same age group, mm-hmm. and it's like reciprocated in funny ways. You know, spoiler alert. I guess if you're just watching these episodes, keep up with us. <laughs> um, I, the big spoiler of Iroh's. Uh, flirtatious love life but no it is it is a little creepy old man here like and she comes back at some point right say that again she comes back at some point right yeah she does and i won't i won't say when because it, it's a fun surprise when yeah does, i remember like... there's something towards the end i i don't totally remember but there was like a like there's a part where like a bunch of old characters come back I'm guessing it's probably the final or something, but I don't, I don't. I really don't remember. It's been a little while. Okay, yeah. I'm also, definitely she's, keeping in the air. She's voiced by Jennifer Hale. Who? Oh, will, Commander Shepard. Yeah, who, yeah. Who will always be Commander Shepard for me? So, like, I just heard, I just heard Commander Shepard when nice. I heard her talking. Which is maybe why I didn't do the baddie thing or whatever. <laughs> I've honestly never heard that term. Yeah, no, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. Other than saying a person is a baddie in terms that they are a bad person. <laughs> that sounds like a Mark Kermode thing. I've been listening to a lot of the Kermode cast. When he explains, like, film villains, he, he calls them the baddies. Yeah, I guess. So it's just a weird cross point in my brain right now between... <laughs> June from Avatar Last Airbender, horny Twitter users, and so Mark Kermode talking about classic film. So let me let me let me break this down. 
Because, like, it's one of those things where it's like, is it really that simple or am I missing something? It's probably just that simple. So it's a combination of the word bad and hottie. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Why? What are What are you doing? I, I didn't. I didn't come up with it. I'm confused. Okay. Well, I don't know. She's she was a cool character. I liked her. She's a bounty hunter character. Uh, the thing she rode freaked me out though. It's it's kind of creepy, huh? It's, it's very creepy, and it like paralyzes people when it stings them. I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of my night terrors. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I but I, I like the, the the physical conflicts that come with that too. Like it's always fun to watch these characters kind of like have to reapproach like a conflict from a different like perspective and stuff like that. So that was that was a lot of fun to see them like hanging out in like a perfume parlor basically and be like, oh, it's tracks through smell, so. We'll, like, blind it by covering it with perfume and stuff like that. And we'll be able to see anything. And that was cool. I like that That was cool. Uh, I do like that she plants seeds for, like, the ultimate... Or continues planting seeds for, like, the ultimate fan shipping between uh, Zuko and Katara. Oh, yeah. And she's like, are you tracking down your girlfriend? And you could just hear, like, the the fanboys and girls, like, just screaming. As that, that happened? A, that was a ship I had, like, no idea about. And now, like, in retrospect, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, like pro or anti it. I just, I, I just like that it, it's got this fun fandom. Mostly yeah. fun. There's always yeah, yeah. parts of fandoms that are just awful, but whatever. I know. I think most of them are just, they, they hide in their secret places yeah. online these days. <laughs> Waiting to strike again. I guess, you know, it's like, I think that the problem that Tumblr had, which is that, like, by design, I don't know how, all this stuff, all this fandom stuff used to just be on fan, like, message boards. And Tumblr somehow made, like, all message boards just, like, come together. <laughs> it was like if there was, if, like, there was just one big message board and every fandom was on it. And that ended up being a problem at some point. It, there was definitely problems there. And I wouldn't even say that they've been solved by now. I just think less people use it because of how, like, butchered it's been in the last, like, couple years. Um, but when also there was kind of an excitement about all these fandoms together, in a way. And also to bring it back around a little bit, um, I think Tumblr has become, like, a bit of a target. Tumblr as like, a, a website that is totally not above criticism mm-hmm. and was a nightmare site in a lot of ways. <laughs> But it has also kind of become shorthand for, like, kind of dunking on, like, especially, like, women, like, young girls, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like dunking on boy bands or Twilight. <laughs> it's like we hate the idea of young girls enjoying anything. <laughs> and that was a website that I think kind of was a safer place for younger girls at a certain point. I agree. I just, you know. I, yeah, yeah, I have this real problem these days where, like, <clears throat> there's, like, this, like, cringe culture or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Where it's like, oh, check out this cringy thing. And it's, like, always, like, just dunking on people for being, like, really earnest. Yeah, like, oh, my God, this morning alone I saw, like, someone quote tweeting, like, oh, this video of this dude wants me to stay, like, six feet apart from him at line, like, 
at the pharmacy. And it's like, really? That's what you're trying to dunk on right now <laughs> of all times in human history. That's what you're trying to attack. Okay. Like, some people are just assholes. We're living in a very fucked up time. Yeah, it's it's exhausting and I'm tired all the time. But Bato of the Water Tribe made me happy. We didn't tell we didn't say who Bato was. Oh yeah, Bato of the Water Tribe, the titular Bato, is uh a, one of the commanders in Sokka and Katara's father's fleet of watership uh, tribe people and water they're tribe going around people. <laughs> yeah, they're going around fighting like basically guerrilla warfare against the Fire Nation because that's that's all they can really muster at that point. Um, and they're helping out, like, Earth Kingdom places once in a while. And so Bato was injured in battle, and he has been staying um, and healing at this little, like, coven area uh, until he can go regroup with their father and uh, the other troops. Cool character. Not, not a lot to him, but, like, he's all you need, you know? It's a nice, it's a nice little episode. Yeah, yeah, not a lot to it either besides that. Um, it's mostly about Aang's conflict, and then Katara and Sokka have the the resolution at the end where they realize right now their their focus needs to be with Aang, uh, as, not just as a found family, but also because um, their father's fighting battles, but they're trying to win the war, you know? Yeah, and so Aang that's, lied to them great. at that that scene yeah and they're rightfully upset with him because it's like yeah that was that was fucked up hey at least he owned up to it no no no, totally totally that was was a lot better i like like when characters make mistakes like that it's yep but like so many other shows would do that thing where like it would accidentally be revealed Mm -hmm. you know like he would trip and drop it or something yeah what's (laughs) this how dare you like yeah thankfully that they didn't do that here yeah, it's like a total mature opposite to the fortune teller, where it's just like, oh, Katara might have feelings for Aang. Aang, oh, this is probably going to happen down the line. It's like, yeah, we know. We didn't need a whole episode devoted to it at that point, you know? But, um, and here it's like, oh, here's like a healthy emotional response and mature response from people dealing with very complex feelings of abandonment and like wanting to be happy together. And those, she actually kisses him at the end of this, right? On the cheek. She does that a couple yeah. times. I had forgotten how, like, that was a normal thing that happened between them. Yeah. Which I like, you know? It's just, it's, it doesn't, it didn't even need to, like, lean into, like, a, a, a romance thing there. It's just, like, a, a sign of affection well, that she has for is, him. is a little more common sometimes outside the United States on the cheek mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I come from a, a very predominantly Mexican family, and like it's just custom to kiss relatives on the cheek when you see them after a long period of time. But you, you can't—that's normal. You, you can't do not that. so much now, but yeah, yeah. But you can't do that here because you might be considered a gay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's right. I'm just—that's what it's about. Yeah. It's the most. This is the most insecure country on the planet. Yeah, there's there's not even an argument against that. That's just a fact at this point. Yeah. British British the British Empire is a, a second, a close second. Mm. But they they hide behind their fancy bullshit. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have a spot of tea with the Queen oh, and discuss tea, war crimes. Across tea and crumpets abroad. in the morning. The, oh, wait, the, across the pond, 
fucking uh, Double do, Paddington Bear. Oh, I, 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 we, we also sneak whiskey into our tea and discuss the uh, variety so that's, of that's, imperialism we still try to enact across the globe. That's our great divide. Where we're like the disheveled, like crappy-looking <laughs> fuck-ups, and then they they're the fancy pantses. But deep down, we're more alike than different in the committing of war crimes. <laughs> God, I love this country. Yeah, <sighs> can't even joke like that anymore without going know, into like, like a minor depression. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I hope we get to a point where I can be like, well, we got on a good track after all that horrible shit. Yeah, I just want to make America jokes and have, like, sparklers on the 4th of July. And now I was like, oh, yeah, we did 4th of July this year. <laughs> like, people, we, we had that day, so we didn't just, like, erase it from the calendar. That's weird. <laughs> like, I feel like we shouldn't have had it, like, at all. But, hey. I want a I want a mag hat. No, <laughs> not a maga hat. No, I I know I got it. <laughs> you make America great because it's not and never has been. <laughs> you have to have it like in blue or some shit though. It has to be the opposite of red. I know it's the worst thing about Trump. This isn't true, but yeah, I know. It's like really, well, that really really sucks is. He's fucked up red hats. <laughs> Especially if you live in Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia, where the Philadelphia Phillies play. <laughs> so you're constantly seeing red hats, and you're like, oh, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, it's just a Phillies hat. Yeah, I'm not a hat guy, but I'll never wear a red one now. Yeah, I know. It's like you have to be careful about that. Yeah. Uh, this is... This was a good episode, maybe the most inconvenient run of episodes as a whole yeah. so far on these recordings. And then um, also very uh, disparate thoughts barely tied together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, for some reason, the longest we've recorded on any of these so far. So I'm going to do my best to whittle it down to the least amount of time you'll have to listen to. Unless you're I'm on the Patreon. Sure. And then I'll I'll make sure you listen to all this wonderful nonsense i'm pretty sure there's a chunk at the very very beginning that is worth cutting at this point oh yeah 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 considering how the episode didn't go the way i was expecting it to go yeah i know it was more fun to talk about than i expected didn't pick a fight and the yeah end, didn't pick a fight with diego and he brought up the alien films <laughs> i showed tremendous restraint um yeah there's like three great or good episodes in this for me and then two that I'll I'll still sit through them because I love this show with all my heart but like I would never seek out like I would seek out like the storm and the blue spirit if I was in the mood for them you know or even the great divide because I like the the weird monster in that and like how they fought it I would say uh, the fortune teller is entirely worth skipping sorry Dave Filoni yeah, King I, I of Star think, Wars now. I don't think there's anything in that that is of value later. Not entirely. I like them fighting a volcano. There you go. I guess. Uh, At least and, the Great Divide mentions Ba Sing Se. Yeah, there you go. 
Um, I I like some of the jokes in that, and I recognize that they're very gender like, cr- like stupid. It's it's so weird. This is the exact same season that had uh, the Warriors of Kyoshi. Yeah, no, it it does not feel like the same thing at yeah. all. It's like the complete opposite. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's like a, a, that episode like got so much right, and it's like the fucking fourth episode. It's just wild, and then it's like, this This feels like an episode you would get at the start of a series, and you're like, oh, they haven't really figured out what they are yet. Mm. But Oh, get... this is only ten episodes after that. I know. That's weird. Wow. All right, well, uh, definitely the most uneven so far, but next time we'll be talking about the five episodes, The Deserter, The Northern Air Temple, The Waterbending Master, and Siege of the North Part 1 and 2. And really, the waterbending master could just be like Siege of the North Part 0. But and then we'll, that'll that'll wrap up uh, Book 1 of Water. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah. Four episodes to cover an entire season, and I think we've done a pretty good job. We've done, done a good job. I would like to yeah. say the Wikipedia page for Season 1 mentions that <laughs> Book One Water has been adapted into the live-action film The Last Airbender, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, and released in 2010. The film was universally panned. <laughs> they, felt well, the need, they felt the need to mention that. Well... I got nothing on that. Um, we'll inaccurate. definitely talk about that movie. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I'm t- there's probably some good that no one's talked about in there. Like, I really haven't seen it in, oh my god, ten years at this point. It's been ten years since that movie came out. Yeah. Where I, has the time gone? I think there's n- no. <laughs> as far as I can remember, there is nothing good in it. And what's shocking is that it isn't the worst film released in 2010. What was worse? Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Oh yeah. Which which might be the worst film ever. Uh No, you're probably right. <laughs> one... you, remember, you remember in uh you remember in Inside Man, there's that scene where uh they think a hostage got shot and like they do that cl- they that close up on Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And it's like he like f- it's almost like he's like floating like super fast over to the bank entrance. Yeah, it's it's the Spike Lee shot. Yeah, it's it's this great great shot. That was me just shooting up from my seat and walking out of the theater <laughs> when Johnny Depp did the Funkle Whackin' dance or whatever the fuck it was called. <laughs> I think it was Clowns called Wonderland. Futter Whackin'. The Futterwhacken, whatever, fuck it. The moment that happened, like, wordlessly, I was with people. <laughs> I just wordlessly got up and just walked the fuck out. These are supposed to be our family-friendly episodes. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> well, Matt, um, thanks for joining me on this horrible nightmare of a day yeah. with uh, some good episodes some some not great ones and uh yeah we'll be back 
next week talking about the episodes I brought up earlier. Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. Also at a protest, probably. Okay, I, I thought you were going to put Twitch. Or no no more Twitch? It's just I, my, my Twitch thing's fucked up, so like I haven't been doing it lately. Okay, Although, no knowing my luck, the moment these episodes are dropping, I will finally have it working again. <laughs> so... And you can find me at the Diego Crespo on Twitter. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can listen to this hour fifty minute recording uncut, mostly. <laughs> yeah, and no, then, um... uh, yeah, cut most of this, even for that. <laughs> There's a lot to cut. Yeah. Um. Cut so that'll the, be fun. Cut the nine eleven conspiracy talk. I really want to keep that in, but you're probably right. It would be funnier if you cut it, but leave me saying cut it <laughs> in the episode. I hope I have, like, an intro for this already by this point. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>